Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. We have a very special Thank one you. for you. Thank you. Stay away from me. I don't know what you're I about to try know. to pull. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get out of here. It's a nice suit, cake. so you better not throw that damn yes. thing on me. <laughs> See you later. Oh, you jerk. Get out of here. Yeah. Come on, Catherine. Get out of here. Negative right, ghost rider. Oh, See you next week. Oh, you two feet away. Bye, guys. See you next week. Oh, he's got quick reaction. Relax there. Wow. Hey, if you had reactions like that about 16 years ago, you'd still have a spleen. I'd still be playing, maybe. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, come on. That's what pretty good. Heck? Thanks, man. Fending, fending off the cake so it doesn't ruin the suit. That Wait, do you get clothes now, or do you bring your own from home still? You know me. I still bring them from home, so it is truly my suit. I do not get dressed by wardrobe or anything like that. So I was like, that's what I was aware of. I, I like the suits. one of my favorite ones. She better not mess this up. And then... You know, I, I got distracted. I was totally ready for it, but Rodney and them were asking me questions, and I lost my train of thought there for a second. And, man, thank God I saw that. Good thing she was wearing a bright yellow dress to where I saw her out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> the most amazing part of all of that is the cake is still edible. I, I mean, it would be edible even if it had landed face down. You could have saved some right. of it. Perfectly edible. It landed flat on the bottom of the cake thing so did you <laughs> yeah. have some of the cake after it landed on the floor no i did since not. you since you've eaten hamburgers off the floor at laguardia yeah right i mean i have a low bar we know that but no I, it was like you know hey when we got done with that show last night i'm gonna say that was what 12 20 somewhere around there i was done i was looking to get out the door and i did not need any more sugar intake to, to end my day off so yeah i had enough birthday cake earlier in the day i'm all good so it's done at 12 20 you get back to the mean streets of Greenwich by what, 1230-ish? When do you finally go to sleep? Because you had to be up to yeah. come in here today. No, I, you know what? I mean, I, I probably got to my house, you know, by the time I got out of here, got to my house, it was really only about, I'm going to say 1250, maybe right around 1 a.m. But like, Mike, you know how it is. I mean, when you're on TV 
and it was live TV at that, uh, you know, you're, you're still like your engine's still revving. So I got home and I, I got in bed almost immediately, but like, I couldn't fall asleep for like the first hour, you know? I, and I think I'm sure you've had that feeling before too. I still got like football thoughts going through my head and everything like that. So it wasn't the best night of sleep, but I'm ready to go. I did like a measly little three minute hit and I went downstairs and it was about quarter to 12 and my wife said, you ready to go to bed? It's like, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I, I'm, you know, you're, you're keyed you up. You're, yeah, you're going. So I, I wrote a little bit and, uh, you know, copy, paste, snarky comment. And then, uh, and then I still, like you did, I'm, I'm laying in bed trying to fall asleep, knowing full well that first world problems, we have to get up to do a TV show uh, in the morning. Yeah, but here we we'll are. Happy birthday. Glad you made it to 41. On your way to 42. And uh, it's a, just a shame we didn't have a show on the day of your birthday but close enough. We'll get you next year. Well, wait. So we got to talk about that. All right. Just to let the viewers know, because I mean, I know this guy that I do this show with, you know, yeah, he's a pain in the butt and you know, he's, he's snarky comment and paste and all that stuff. But the man got me an unbelievable birthday present. I, did, I forgot to bring it in because I'm going on, you know, three hours of sleep here, but uh, you brought you bought me a Brian Piccolo number 41 jersey last year for everybody out there he got me Gale Sayers I was 40 got me 40 now he gets me the 41 Brian song I couldn't figure out who the signature was so when you first got it I got it I was like damn is this thing signed by Brian Piccolo I was going like but I mean how much money did he pay for this like holy cow and then I was like but it doesn't look like that signature and I looked it up, and oh, I texted you. I was like, who's the signature? I can't figure it out. James Kahn from the movie, of course, Brian's song. But, like, amazing gift by you. Seriously. You the man, Michael. You the man. Thanks well, a lot. And we, we talked about it, and you're more than welcome. The least I could do. You're a good teammate, and I enjoy you, and you're one of the few people that I know that I don't hate. But uh, <laughs> we talked a week and a half or so ago about 41, and, like, Charlie Waters was the only player we could think of. We forgot about Alvin Kamara. Right. Duh. Duh. The, yeah. the best 41 ever, <laughs> yeah. arguably. But somebody emailed, and this is one of the good aspects of the fact that I'm so accessible. Bad aspects pop up from time to time. But one of the good aspects is, is hey, how about Brian Piccolo? It's like, holy crap. I got him the Gale Sayers last year. This is perfect. And I started fishing around for it. An amazing number of Brian Piccolo jerseys signed by James Conner available. It's kind of weird that he would he would do it I don't I assume, I, know, I don't know how yeah. recent how long ago it right. would just be kind of weird to sign the jersey of someone you played in a movie who's dead yeah but hey I I, I kind of liked it it's a nice little twist I so you. uh glad you like it and uh you got the perfect companion to your Gale Sayers jersey so happy birthday thanks buddy and uh speaking of two jerseys we got two quarterbacks still <laughs> yeah. in San Francisco Jimmy Garoppolo Trey Lance they rotated last night on the opening drives with the starting offense. They both scored on a rushing touchdown. Jimmy G was 4 for 7, 64 yards with that rushing touchdown. Trey, uh, Trey Lance, 6 for 13, 46 yards. He ran the ball six times, total of eight yards and a rushing touchdown, but designed runs. That's good. We hadn't seen that. He had run the ball one time on a scramble. And uh, look, I, I still... And, and the 49ers fans out there, I don't, I don't know if they know how to feel about Jimmy G at this point. Yeah. I saw a lot of praise for his touchdown run. Right. What the hell are you doing? The touchdown run into like two Raiders, head down. Come on, man. I mean, haven't 
we seen enough from Jimmy Garoppolo to know he doesn't know how to keep himself out of harm's way? You can't go diving head first into the end zone in a preseason game into two guys. It, every time you do it, it's you're rolling the dice. Yeah. You're rolling the dice. And there's a chance that it's going to be the last roll. It's going to be craps. You're going to be done for the year. You don't do you do not do that, Chris. No, you Mike, can't do that. I, it, it's risky. I mean, there's no doubt. You're right. He's, he's in a vulnerable position there, too, where it's like, wait, there's no way you're getting out of harm's way. They're going to be able to get a shot in your head or your shoulder or all that. But, you know, again, it, it's easier said than done. I could say that much. I mean, that now that's the aspect of when you're going to be platooning a quarterback in and out, you know, one's going to want to make his mark. And, of course, Trey Lance gets all the credit for being the athletic quarterback as is. And Jimmy Garoppolo is going, wait, I can make some plays with my legs and do those type of things too. And also knowing you're around the goal line and – I'll even say this to add to it. Just, I mean, it's it's a great way to get the team on your side. I, that's the other thing I'll say. It's risky, and like, you're right. You got to be really damn careful there. That's the kind of thing, like, you know, you're viewed as a quarterback in the locker room, but when you do stuff like that, you're a football player. And the guys rally behind that. And that's where Jimmy G does have a little special magic, and we know the team really likes him around him that way. But, hey, I hear you. I mean, that, that's uh, that's scary in preseason game number three, but glad he's okay. It will help solve the problem that Cal yeah, Shanahan currently has right. with two quarterbacks if he keeps <laughs> playing like that. On Lance's touchdown, he's untouched, and that's the key, understanding where you are in relation to everyone else and avoiding getting hit. But back to the – two-quarterback reality. It's not really a dilemma if you embrace it. He's making it a dilemma. He's trying to will, in my view, Trey Lance Agreed. into playing Agreed. and convincing the players that that this should be the guy. For as much as Jimmy G's dive into the end zone may have won hearts and minds of the locker room, the more you play Lance, in theory, the more the players are going to say, okay, this is our guy. And Shanahan, I, I assume, just has faith that if you put both guys out there, eventually everyone's going to come to the conclusion that there shouldn't be two guys out there, that it should be Trey Lance. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm with you in the fact that I do think Shanahan's trying to will Trey Lance to be the starting quarterback. Hey, I thought that last week I said that. I thought that's why Shanahan was a little grumpy after the, the Chargers preseason game. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo threw an interception. It was out. You're out of the game. Trey Lance came in. Let's start throwing the ball, and it didn't go well. But I think ultimately what Shanahan must have came to the realization here in the last, like, 10 days, week, or whatever, is that he can't. Trey Lance is not in the trust tree yet. Not throwing the ball in the pocket, not in the obvious passing downs when you know he has to throw it. He does some things where you go, wow, but he does some things where you go, whoa. So there's a little wow and whoa. But like, let's, let's hit on some of the things we saw yesterday just in the game between the two quarterbacks because that was, I don't know, shocking. I mean, I guess we expected it. I didn't know if we were going to see that in preseason game number three. And I think it's just uh, a sign of the future. I mean, I think you feel the same way, right, Mike, that this is going to be what the new 49ers offense will look like early in the year. So we got Jimmy G, came in for a few, few plays. Here's your first look at it. That, your Lamar Jackson backside pulling guard to where Trey Lance could keep it. Here, backside guard and pulling uh, tackle again where he could keep it at the right look, but he gives it to Mostert. You know, similar type of play here. We've seen all these plays from the Baltimore Ravens over the years with the running quarterbacks and all that. But he's got a little bit of the best of both worlds right now as far as that's concerned. Okay, I could trust Jimmy G to throw the ball within the pocket. And then I, my run game itself is a pain in the butt. And now you add Trey Lance into the equation. Whoa, it's a really big pain in the butt. And I think this is the kind of thing we're going to see from this 49ers offense, at least early in the year, for sure. 
question. Yeah. Because one of the big benefits of an approach like this yeah. is obvious. It puts extra stress on the defense during the week in advance of playing the 49ers because you have to devote time, resources, effort, strategy to figuring out a game plan for the Jimmy G offense. Right. And you have to do the same thing for the Trey Lance offense. But, you know, we, we rarely think of it from the other perspective. How do you perfect yeah. two different offenses with the amount of practice time you have available as the 49ers, Chris? That's, that's the other concern I would have here. If you see the Baltimore Ravens playbook for Trey Lance and the 49ers' usual playbook for Jimmy Garoppolo, you've got to be able to trust the rest of the offense to be able to flip it back and forth in an instant and not miss a beat. How do you get to that point week in and week yeah, out? Yeah, well, he, you know, he's a genius in the run game. We know that. And I think he'll take baby steps with all the new Trey Lance stuff. You know, it'll be just a little infusion of here's three or four plays this week, guys. And then here's three or four weeks the next, you know, three or four plays the next week. And all of a sudden you get to week seven or eight and you go, hey, look at this. We got about 25, 30 different runs with Trey Lance and things we can do off of it to where I don't know if it'll necessarily break things up that, that you know, as far as just the, the continuity practice, all those type of things. I think it can be done as long as you're not trying to go, wait, I'm going to show the world I got 90 million plays with Trey Lance and do all that stuff. And then like, oh yeah, let me get back to that other offense. You know, I think it's going to be still the Shanahan offense we're accustomed to seeing with a few wrinkles of this Trey Lance, Lamar Jackson-ish type offense uh, on a week-to-week basis. And, you know, Shanahan's he's got a creative way of coaching and he can keep it simple and still make it look complex, which is why he's the man and, and one of the better offensive minds in the sport. Let's hear from Kyle Shanahan after the game on this issue of using both quarterbacks and which of the two will be the first quarterback to play week one at Detroit. Here he is. Um, yeah, I mean, it is an option. So whether it's in their mind or not, um, I mean, that's, that's up to them, but I mean, we got two guys who can play and, um, well, we've been doing it in practice a little bit, wanted to do it out there in the game. And I think it's always going to be an option. I thought they did a good job. I mean, by no means was it perfect, but I thought just the function of it and going in and out and not knowing when it's going to be, um, you know, it wasn't a planned rotation or anything. I was trying to make it situational. So I was just doing it mainly out of impulse and, um, you know, whenever the down and distance, it felt like what we wanted to call. So um, those guys seemed like they handled it good. Uh, I'll meet with them tomorrow and watch all with them, which I'm looking forward to. But um, today I thought it was good. Well, is Jimmy going to start first week? Um, I mean, I guess we'll have to see. I mean, I, I don't like playing this game, but everyone keeps asking me that question. I'm not just giving the answer just to satisfy the question. I think we got a pretty good idea, like I said, all along. Uh, I think our team does, and um, we're pretty good with it as long as I can keep surviving press conferences. <laughs> How's that going for you? I'm all right with it. It's just trying to be respectful. <laughs> yeah, you know, you mentioned earlier he was irritated last week. I think his default has become irritation. I know, like, right? Right. Yeah, and and you've got to understand. You've got to understand that this is part of the job, and you are going to be asked these questions. They've created this multi-layered mystery by everything they've done in the offseason. You can't act surprised right. that people are going to ask you questions about where this is all heading when you've been moving all these pieces around and doing all these crazy things, and you still have the quarterback that everyone assumed would be out the door when you make the big move from 12-3 to 3 to get your next quarterback, Chris. So 
Uh, look, I don't. It doesn't matter who starts. If no. you're going to play both guys, it doesn't matter. No, you're right. It doesn't really matter. I mean, I would be shocked if we saw Trey Lance start the football game. I mean, maybe if they're going to come out right away and give design runs and things like that. But I mean, Trey Lance didn't start any of the preseason games. You know, so all of a sudden you're going to just throw him, you know, on the field on the road in Detroit and go, hey, start. So that that would be, you know, one thought right off the bat where I'd go, okay, yeah, you're right. It doesn't really matter. It, we'll see him uh, at some point in the first drive of the game either way. But this is why I don't think he can totally trust Trey Lance or go with him right now. I mean, hey, that was a great throw. But we saw a number of the throws just like the one before that where it's off target. He's still unpolished as far as being a pocket passer and making the appropriate throw. Again, here, I mean, you see the mustard on the ball. It's a rifle, you know, but here's, you know, I mean, come on, that's wide open. So I don't, that's why he's not the starting quarterback right now. It's those things that he's got to fix, certainly, you know, and Shanahan, hey, he, he, I do think in his heart of hearts, of course, with the trade, everything like that, he wants Trey Lance to take over. But there's some things that are just still too raw and untrustworthy about his game. So now he's going to play it this way and be a pain in the butt for defensive coordinators and other teams where you you do have to worry about. But let me ask you this. Let me just one question before you. Do you think I think like, oh, gosh, he's got to you got to prepare for both offenses is a little bit of an overblown topic at this point. I, I mean, I, I and, and hear me out just a little here. I mean, again, I know there's value to it. But like, it's not like when you the, Lamar Jackson and them can throw the ball. They have drop back pass concepts, so you have him running the ball. You got Buffalo and Josh Allen every week who they have some quarterback design runs and they drop back and pass. Like, oh no, how do you prepare for both? Okay, then you got the Cardinals and Kyler Murray. They can do both. Oh no, how do you prepare for both? All right, you got the Eagles and Jalen Hurts. You had the Bears and Mitchell Trubisky did it. We see Russell Wilson and the Seahawks do it. Yeah, it's getting less and less. Dak Prescott, they did it. I mean, you know, Deshaun Watson, the Saints, of course, and them doing it. Cam Newton and the Patriots. So, like, again, I know there's some schematical advantage, but I don't think defenses are going to be like, oh, my gosh, my head's blown up. It's the quarterback design run, and then the next play, it's the drop back pass. Oh, my gosh. So, I don't know. We'll see where this goes. Well, I think it could be cool, but I think it could be risky, too. One thing we've seen with Allen, he 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 doesn't run as much no, as he you're used right. to on a design basis. Right. They're keeping him healthy, but the idea that you're bringing in a completely different human being—it's one thing crazy. to have a quarterback who can do multiple things. Yeah. It's another thing where there's a completely different quarterback who's got a, a different set of tendencies and tells and looks and checks. And what do we try to do with him versus what do we try to do with the other one? It's a good and point. One though, key right. aspect here. I got a question for you, yeah. and and you know, every once in a while, I'll get an idea that I, I want to pull the thread. And, and I know there's a fine line between being insightful and having like some sort of a Colin Coward cookie cutter hot take that makes no sense whatsoever. I'll do respect too late for that. But I keep hearing Shanahan, who I've always viewed as a master of strategy and deliberation and thought and care. Now, he, he's like he's acting on impulse. Like, is he having some kind of a weird midlife crisis where his football approach is just being ripped up and torn apart and he's going to just do a completely different thing? Whatever his impulse is is what's going to drive him. He's waiting for an impulse. Maybe it'll be his, his impulse in 13 days to start Trey Lance. That's my impulse. I, it's just for a guy who has always struck me as being so meticulous and detailed and 
and specific, yeah. just waiting for whatever impulse happens to fly his way. It seems odd to me. It seems like a major change in how this guy is coaching. I I, I hear what you're saying. I, I I'm with you. I mean, he's not impulsive. I will say that. Like you know, he's like, trying, but he is. But he's telling us he's impulsive. Well, I I feel like he's backed himself into a corner a little bit in this one, in this subject a little bit. Yeah. And I think like what we've been saying all along in his heart of hearts, I think he thought, man, I'm going to be able to get Trey Lance in here and hit the ground running and I'm not going to have to deal with this. He's going to show everybody that he's the guy and there and we're going to go with it. And of course, you know, he sent out 80,000 signals in the offseason. He was trying to replace Jimmy G with just about anybody in football. So, uh, I, I, I mean, again, I have no inside knowledge of this. I, I really don't. I haven't talked to Kyle in a while, and he's certainly not going to talk to me right now about this subject or anything like that. But I do feel like, yeah, that to me, reading my friend or just a coach, and I know you and I read people all together, it, it seems like he's feeling the pressure on the subject a little bit. Yeah, like you said, he made this bed. He made this problem or issue. I don't want to say a problem. It's not a problem, but... Uh, yeah, I think he is feeling the pressure of the moment a little bit. And, of course, everybody watching Trey Lance with extra pressure because you traded away three, three first-round picks and, wait, was it Mac Jones and all those type of things have just added more pressure into this whole thing. And then Mac Jones looks and, and, really good, too. That doesn't help either. And we're going to pivot to Mac Jones in a second, yeah. but, but l let me just put this last uh, nail in the point. It wasn't just Kyle Shanahan. There are others in the organization who were part of this brain sure. trust that sure. came up with all the different ideas they've explored in the offseason for upgrading from Jimmy Garoppolo. But Kyle is the guy who primarily is front and center dealing with the questions, deflecting the questions, trying to keep the plans under wraps while he figures out simultaneously what in the hell the plan is going to be because the guy that they gave up all that stuff to get has yet to reveal himself the way that they had hoped. So Kyle's in the center of a storm here. Right. And it right. isn't entirely of his own making. It was group think and group action, but it's Kyle who's standing up there taking the heat so to speak, being the one who's got to answer the questions for a plan that they really don't have. And maybe that's what's irritating him. This is a guy who's used to having a plan. Yeah, right. And right now the plan is there is no plan, and that's got to be driving him nuts, Chris. That 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 really could be the, the root of the issue right there altogether. You're right. I mean, he, he is, like you said, he's meticulous. He's well thought out. You know, I mean, th there's no doubt about it. But, yeah, he's in a little bit of a, a, a tough spot here. But I'll say this, too, to just to button it up, too, to, to end it all here. Uh, if anybody can pull it off, you know, we've talked about New England and Belichick and what he could pull off. Like, yes, of course, we think he could pull off just about anything. Shannon, if there's one guy in football that could truly pull off this little platooning quarterback type of thing, and this is, to me, it's different than Drew Brees. I'm an established legend at the end of my career, and we just have this cool toy that's going to help us out. This is a different scenario, but he's got great people skills. We know that. We never hear really any player say anything negative about Kyle. Everybody's like, man, Kyle. I mean, he cuts players, and they're like, this was awesome being here. Kyle's a genius. Thank you for cutting me, and thank you for the opportunity. He has a good way about him where he'll be able to sell it not only through his own belief, but he's going to sell it to the team 
like Gruden used to at times. He's going to show you plays and things and start to make sense of like, here, this is why I'm putting Trey Lance in. Look what it's going to do to the defense. He'll sell it to the rest of his offense, and they're going to go, damn, that's smart. Okay, we're behind you. And like I said, if there's anybody that can do it, it's that guy. Well, week one, week two at Detroit, at Philly, he should be able to pull it off with either quarterback. He could get you out of retirement and pull. He could get <laughs> me out of retirement. I never retire. I never had anything to retire from and pull it off. Week three is when it gets interesting. But you have Sunday annoying articles. He might want Green you to Bay retire Packers. from that. <laughs> That's true. Green Bay Packers at San Francisco 49ers. I'm trying to give the promo for the NBC Sorry. game week three when it's real, when that will be the test of this approach that week three game when the Packers come to town. All right, we mentioned Mac Jones. And Bill Belichick has said plenty of things in preseason, although he'd prefer to say nothing about his quarterback situation. And at last we heard from him on it, he said, Cam is the starter until someone plays better than him. That was a week ago. Right. Here's Bill Belichick after the preseason finale against the New York Giants on who the quarterback will be come week one when the Dolphins go to New England. Have you made a decision on who will start at quarterback in the regular season opener? Yeah, no, we we still have a lot of decisions to make. What are you hoping to see in the next couple weeks of practice, Bill, before that first game from the quarterback position to help you make that decision whenever the time comes? Yeah, well, we'll be focused on preparing for Miami, so that's what we'll do. Hey, that That is a jarring difference to me, and it's a culmination of what we have seen over the course of the last week. Cam Newton, by virtue of not being vaccinated, sorry people who don't want us to talk about it, but it has real football consequences. By virtue of not being vaccinated, being knocked out for several days of practice, and underscoring the fact that as an unvaccinated player, he's tested every day, he could be gone for a minimum of 10 days at any given moment, including the day of a game when you're ready to go, you can't count on that. You can't have your entire team's hopes riding upon whether or not a guy tests positive the morning of the game. You combine that with how Mac Jones looked yeah, last week? Right. Yeah, it is a toss-up now. And and that's a credit to Mac Jones. He's taken it from a presumption, a clear presumption, Cam is the starter, to we don't know at this point what's going to happen 13 days from now. No, I mean, you're right. I feel like we got an inkling, but I mean, Mike, I mean, you're, you're, I mean, I think you're spot on. Not only with that yesterday, I mean, I know Thursday, I believe you wrote an article on PFT where, I mean, Belichick said he, he made a similar statement where he said he had no timetable for the decision. That was the first time I went, wait, you're recognizing there's a decision, there's a timetable? Because up to that point, to, you, to what you're saying, it was just like, no, Cam Newton's a starter. No, you got to beat him out. That was a different answer. I certainly perked up when I heard that on when I, or when I read that on Thursday afternoon. Interesting to me, but I mean, yeah, can't. I mean, I mean, we say it. Mac Jones is he's phenomenal. I don't know what to say. It. He's just he's born to be in the pocket and pick defenses apart. He's got great quick feet. He's got a really quick release. You see there. I mean, it's not like the ball is always like, oh my gosh, it's a laser beam. But it's always in the right spot, always on the money completion. Pressure there, throws a nice back shoulder into a safe spot. Even there, just the anticipation to know, wait, I might have to get this ball out of hair quicker because of this defense. He puts it on the money. You see he's got leadership skills and people like him that way. So I'm with you. I think it's very, very close. I still think they're going to go Cam Newton. You know, again, I'll say what I said with, like, the 49ers. 
they didn't start Mac Jones in a preseason game yet. I have a hard time thinking they're going to go, hey, we're going to go play the Miami Dolphins, who are really talented. Their defensive staff is all from New England. They know our stuff, and we're going to throw our rookie out there to deal with it. That's where I go, I think it's Cam Newton, but it'll be a short leash to your point because Mac Jones just looks phenomenal. Well, and it's really the start of the second preseason because they have three games before Tommy comes back to town. And if you're going to go with Mac Jones week four, you get him ready week one, week two, week three. I thought of something as we were watching those clips, though, of Mac Jones, given that we just talked about the 49ers and given the widespread belief that the move up was made for the 49ers to get Mac Jones. Do you think Kyle is tormented when he sees Mac Jones operating an offense that smoothly and that efficiently? Well, yeah, I do. Especially when he sees plays like that because he's like, wait, that play's in my playbook. That's a first down. And then he goes, wait, that play action pass? Oh, wait, that's in my playbook too. Oh, on the money, first down. Yes, I think that's what part of the reason we've seen Kyle a hair uncomfortable is because he wants to get his guy and make the mark, and he knows the guy that, you know, we all thought he was going to take, and the guy that I think like symbolizes the type of quarterback he's always liked is at the place that's like it's his worst nightmare. He's like, oh, no, he's with Belichick, who will know how to take advantage of him fully just like I would have. And, yeah, that's they're going to be linked forever because of that. I mean, the, you know, we talk about you know Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Lance Mack Jones is going to be compared as we go – on here because yeah I'm still one I know there's a ton of people around football that still believe Mac Jones was the original target you know intended in the trade so uh yeah I would think that adds to the pressure to to what you're saying Mike for sure there's there's a hell of a story to be told eventually some way somehow about how it went from Jones to Lance as many believe it did Jones was 10 for 14 last night for the Patriots 156 yards a touchdown no picks Cam Newton did get the start he threw five passes completed two but completed one to the other team and hey that's his closing argument for week one that's the last we're going to see of him before they make a decision and that interception's got to be something that troubles Bill Belichick Chris yeah it does but I think it's one that it's not like real troubling they're going to go wait you know, yeah, listen, I think Cam's going to look at the film and go, wait, I wish I would have thrown it outside to Kendrick Bourne. But I don't think this is going to be a play that's going to be viewed overly negative when they break it down, Josh McDaniels, Bill Belichick. They're going to go, wait, I understand his logic going down the middle. He actually threw a really good ball. And Blake Martinez made a great play. I mean, the receiver should have caught it. He had two hands on it. As he's tucking it in, Martinez rips it out. But, yes, I mean, that just adds a little more fuel yeah, to the sports media talk and everything up there in Boston to go, yeah, Cam threw a pick, Mac Jones looked great, why don't they just start Mac Jones, that whole conversation. Uh, I just think with the developments like you laid out over the last 10 days and the way Mac continues to look better and better, like I would have said two weeks ago, it's 80-20 Cam Newton and he's got a little, he's got a little you know, wiggle room on his leash. And now here we are going to get ready for, you know, week one. And we're just, you know, two weeks out of that where I go, oh, man, now it's like 52-48 Cam Newton. And that leash is short. And if he doesn't play well that first game or two, I don't think they're going to hesitate to go to Mac Jones. And, and in Cam's defense, I mean, that was a great throw. And it when was. you watch it, you, you think the ball is going to be completed. But, but that's what happens when you throw to a guy who has someone close by potentially happens sure versus a guy who's wide open like the receiver on, on the, the left, left side, side was yeah. and you know it, it hey at that level of football 
there's an expectation that the quarterback is going to spot, especially an experienced quarterback. We talked a couple of weeks ago about how Justin Fields you know, maybe isn't in position to recognize based on pre-snap look that a running back is going to pop wide open with a linebacker covering right. him and, and you get a touchdown instead of a first down. But anytime there's an inkling that a guy is going to be wide open, you expect a 10-year veteran to possibly see it and take full advantage of it. Um, so if we had to go one way or the other right now, What's your guess? I, I, I'm not going to give you a hard time about it two weeks from now if, yeah, it's, if right. it's the other guy. If but what's do. your guess right now as to who it's going to be? I think it'll be Cam for kind of the, the, the reasons I stated a little bit before. Just that, I you know, uh, first off, knowing that group up there in New England, just watching them, you know, my whole life basically, I, I don't think they're the type of group that would wants to throw out a rookie quarterback out there. And then I think the other thing is, yeah, the rookie quarterback didn't start one preseason game. It is the Dolphins who are a legit contender in the AFC this year. They have great knowledge of the schematics of the drop-back pass game and those things of the New England Patriots. And I think for those reasons, I think they will go with Cam early on with the short leash like we talked about. I think it's going to be Mac. You do. And I'm going to, I, I think it's going to be Mac okay. because... And this is the kind of stuff that Bill Belichick never talks about publicly. He does not want to ever put any of his players in a difficult spot. Right. He will he will rip you privately, but he will not say anything negative about you publicly. He had to have been beyond exasperated last week with the COVID misunderstanding, the automatic five-day absence from Cam Newton as they're getting ready for joint practices against the New York Giants as they're getting ready to end their preseason and put the hay in the barn before week one. He's not going to say anything about it, but it it's a fundamental notion of availability. And Cam knew the rules, and they're not going to come out and, and make him look bad with a statement that says Cam knew the rules. They, they did everything they could to prop up Cam as part of this, but behind the scenes, y y you have to be beside yourself, and that has to be a factor because yeah. he doesn't have to worry about it with Mac Jones. Yeah. He knows that if they design their game plan for Mac Jones, Jones is going to be available on Sunday. When he when his head hits the pillow Saturday night before that Sunday game, of all the things he's worried about, he doesn't have to worry about Mac Jones passing a test the next day for COVID coming back negative so he can play. He's got to worry about it with Cam. And and that I hear in, you, Mike. In a close competition, that could be that the difference maker, I, I, and I think it is going to be Cam for that reason. Yeah, I I, I hear Mike. I mean, I, I'm I'm with you in a lot of ways there. I I also think that, you know, I think that's very real. I'm not trying to even like say you're wrong or anything like that. I also I think what's come to my brain just a little bit over the last two or three days too is like because of all the things that happened too, Belichick maybe he's like letting this dangle out there a little bit because he's like Cam needs to you want to, you need to button it up like you need to button it up. Like here's your warning, because now I'm I'm in deciding mode. Like you you better you know be careful with where you go. You know one slip and you might be done. And he might be using it a little bit of as a motivational tactic, like we used to talk about before, like with Wes Welker. You know he played better when he was angry. Maybe he feels like maybe Cam will be better in all areas that you need to be as a quarterback, a leader, and all those things. If he feels like there's a little threat behind him with Mac Jones. Well, and there's a test coming up because everybody's getting that four-day break, that mini-buy, because there is yeah. no fourth preseason game. Vaccinated players can do whatever they want to do. Unvaccinated players can't leave. It'll be an interesting test, both for Cam and for, for Mac. 
Is Mac going to stick around? Is he going to be in the facility every day? Right? Uh, I would bet so. That's part of this as well. That's part of the test. They're both being tested. You're always being, in New England and pretty much everywhere, you're always being tested. You're always being evaluated, but especially in New England. And they want guys who are smart enough to know that someone is always watching what you do and everything you do can and will be used against you in the court of Bill Belichick. That's just the way it is. Joe Burrow was going to get three snaps yesterday, and he got three snaps, even though one was a penalty. So he left the drive before it was over. That's how committed Zach Taylor was to only three snaps for Joe Burrow. Couple of handoffs, one pass. The whole idea was get his feet wet, get him out on the field. Hey, it's a home preseason game. Give the people who showed up something to see, even though it only lasted a little bit. This is the only eventful snap, and of course, that is Jamar Chase dropping the ball. That ended up being second down all over again after a penalty, and that was it for Joe Burrow. Those were his three snaps. I don't know that it was enough to come to any conclusion, Chris, as to how Joe Burrow is going to be in 13 days when he's got to be out there thinking or not thinking about that left knee as he's trying to do all the other things that a quarterback needs to do. Well, I mean, it's like it's almost like a. I'm going to mess this up. You know, what do I want? Mean, Freudian slip. How the hell do you say that word? I Freudian. Mean, yeah, Freudian. Right. Thank you. That's Freudian. Freudian. I'm a Freud idiot, but I'm trying to Freudian. Okay. <laughs> uh, but like, to me, it shows like we can't let him finish the drive. I mean, he can't even finish the drive. It's just going to be three. I mean, they obviously know there's an issue there too. Then that's a, it. Almost says to me like everything we said last week. Like, be careful with Joe Burrow. Let's not hurt him. Doesn't seem right. All the signals seem a little weird. He's actually admitted he doesn't feel good. We've heard the rumors about practice not being great and sharp and all those type of things. You know, we've heard the coach also acknowledge that Joe's not comfortable in those type of things. And then like, okay, I know you don't want to play him a lot, but like. I mean, it's literally three plays. Like, I, I to me, that says something a little bit. Like, oh, we're so worried. We're not even going to let him do that. I mean, that that did nothing. I mean, yeah, it was cool. He went out and warmed up. You get that. You get a little of the emotions of the game. But, like, the thing we wanted to see, or at least I would think Joe Burrow would want to deal with a little bit, at least if I was him and put myself in his shoes, I'd want to be in the fray a little bit. Let me drop back in the pocket, like, two or three times and feel the pass rush. I'll be careful, coach. If it gets close, I'll just go down. Those type of things. But I'm really interested to see where this goes. I really am. Um, because it just it's a, it's a weird one. And it's not a long time after a really serious injury. And it just does not seem totally right. Let's hear from Coach Zach Taylor and Joe Burrow on this three-snap performance that we saw from Burrow on Sunday. Starting with uh, all 11 of those guys being in the huddle, you know, um, the crowd cheering, you know, just to get that emotion out of the way, you know, because that, that is a big part of life. And, and just getting back in there and, and for Trey also at center, you know, to be back in a game mode and get some plays. And I, I think it was beneficial for the whole group, the whole team. Um, it was quick. It was just three plays. There's nothing significant from the scheme standpoint that was really going to take place. We're going to be very cautious there, obviously. Uh, but, but I think it was just good for that whole entire offensive group. We're ready to go. I'm excited about this next week. We're we have a chance to, to get our bodies right. Um, it won't be as, as taxing on the body. Um, physically, we'll be ready to go week one. I'm just excited to, to get the game plan and get ready to go. Yeah, I, I understand the explanation. Yeah, I know. I don't know how necessary it is to have Joe Burrow 
experience what it's like to be in a huddle when the guy won the national championship. I mean, the, guy, the guy's the guy been around a little bit. He knows Yo, a thing cool. or two about what it's like to walk out onto a field right. and have people chant your name. The, the idea, though, that it was only three snaps, he left in the middle of the, not in the middle of the drive, but he left with third down still to go. Right. Never formed a pocket, never dropped back. Right. The one pass was a quick fire it away before anybody even has a chance to get anywhere close to your leg, your left leg that you're going to be protecting consciously or not. I, I, I just, I, I, it's like, why even bother? That's what that, I'm that saying. was, that was right. the thing. Like what, what do you accomplish by having him out there for three plays and then yanking him out of the game? Don't play him at all or play him more extensively. It's, it's, I think it gave me more it questions. Seems like almost. A, this is like a weird middle ground, right? That, and I know you know Bengals fans are like in denial about the possibility of dysfunction, or maybe they're just so used to the dysfunction they've gotten numb to it. Like when you get into a really hot tub, your body gets used to it. I don't know, but but it just, this is just another Bengals are going to bangle, and 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 this just it's like weird. Like what is this? What's the point? Why is this happening? And it makes that first game even more intriguing. Yeah, it does. to me. It's it's I know it, it almost like you know brings up more questions, just more proof of the things we're worried about like man he can't play a fourth play like that's we're so worried that he can't play third down here and you can't just call like a max protect simple play whatever it is and then add it on top of that so me yeah Johnny football guy I mean of course yeah we're watching Tom Brady and Josh Allen in preseason game number three they're throwing the ball all over the field getting ready for regular season football this guy was a rookie who got hurt in week 10 with a serious injury he's gonna go to the week one with not playing a lot of football, questions in his brain. None of those got answered or figured out yesterday. None of it, let alone I question it even more now. And then added on top of that, it gave me a little more evidence to go, damn, can Jamar Chase catch a freaking ball in the NFL? I mean, that's the other question it brought up. You went, They tried to like soothe over two things in one there, and I come away having more questions now. I mean, Jamar Chase, we know it's been the drop issues. He's had drop issues in practice, and now – you know, we have three games in a row of, wait, Jamar Chase dropping the damn ball. So, um, yeah, there's some questions there in Cincinnati, and I'm, I'm going to really have my eye on Joe Burrow early on in the year. The drop from yesterday, look, Tyler Boyd misses his block on yes. Nick Needham. Nick Needham's right in Jamar Chase's face, but you still got to catch the ball. There That's was another right. game I was watching last night where a guy got blown up right after he caught it. You still have to catch it, especially when you have been dealing with these issues as – Jamar Chase has. You've got to show you can catch the ball. We've talked at length about how great those gloves are. I mean, this is now something that's clearly in his head, yep. and it's on the Bengals to help him get through it. And this this is what gets back to how many resources one team has versus how many resources another team may have. These are things that rarely come to light. They don't get discussed. We don't see the full budget for how much money is allocated for an in-house sports psychologist who's available at all times to help players work through these things and get past minor issues that can become big issues if you're not sensitive to them and if you don't intervene. And would it surprise me that the Bengals have limited or no capacity to help guys that way? It wouldn't surprise me at all based upon the historical frugality of the team. So the, it's on them. And, and you know, they may think, hey, it's on you. You're the fifth overall pick in the draft. You're making all this money. We've made our investment, but you still have to you have to help your guys through these spots. And uh, there's going to be a ton of pressure on him 
week one as much on him in a different way as there will be on Joe Burrow yeah. Chris yeah you're right I think there's more yeah there's more pressure on Jamar Chase than Joe Joe Burrow's pressure is going to be from Joe Burrow where he's going to be like man should I be out here can I stay safe can I stay healthy all those type of things Jamar Chase is going to be his own pressure and feeling everybody who's a football fan going wait you're a top five pick they they, they passed on Penny Sewell for you uh-oh it doesn't look good and that, that, that does make it tough on a young kid, no doubt about that. As we get closer to the roster reductions from 80 to 53, the Houston Texans have some big decisions to make. And one option is to trade quarterback Deshaun Watson. The possibility still lingers. We'll talk about where it stands and what has to happen for a deal to go down this week. We'll do that next year on PFT Live. Quaker has been a trusted name in breakfast for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, and the ballpoint pen. And while a lot of things have changed since then, some things have stayed the same, like the great taste and quality of Quaker oats. Quaker has something for everyone, like old-fashioned and quick oats, great for cooking and baking, or instant oatmeal in different flavors and varieties, whether it's lower sugar or added protein or fiber. Quaker oats can satisfy the whole family. There's even... Quaker Fruit Fusion with real fruit pieces, added vitamins, and no artificial colors for a bold start to a bold morning. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats in your local grocery store. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 5. South Dakota seemed like the perfect place to unplug. But I ended up connecting to the world around me. A world where each sunset was painted where I felt adventures pulse with every step, and where cold water trickling, pine swaying, and grunting bison became my favorite soundtracks. I just wish I didn't have to leave. There's so much South Dakota, so little time. Yes, again, of course, but uh, yeah, yesterday report, the Dolphins uh, front runner in uh, trade talks for Sean Watson. Uh, your reaction, and um, are you and Greer uh, still pursuing Sean Watson? Uh, you know, reports, speculation, not things we really get into. Um, look, I, I understand the question, uh, but as I've said in the past, any conversations that we have or don't have with other clubs um, are going to be internal. Um, I've, you know, I've been pretty steadfast about that with our players, with, with, with uh, other clubs, and you know, that, that'll, that'll That'll remain the case. Could you address uh, your confidence in Tua, and uh, did you uh, have to address it with him? Did you have any talks with him? I'm very confident in Tua. He's done a lot of good things uh, this spring, this offseason, this training camp. Uh, played well last week. Um, and again, my conversations with the players you know, are going to always remain between uh, me and that player. So uh, I talk to a lot of players every day. Um, Obviously, I spent a lot of time with the quarterbacks, um, but yeah, those conversations will remain 
himself in, in that way. Coach Flo doing the best he can to keep both hands attached to the podium so he doesn't give a stray. Uh, yeah, those conversations uh, <laughs> are going to remain private. Um, you know, it's not tampering to come out and say we are not going to trade for Deshaun Watson. We have no interest in Deshaun Watson. Now, it's still the safest and smartest thing to do when something like this comes up is to say, we're not going to talk about it one way or the other. Whether we had conversations or didn't have conversations, whether we have interest or whether we don't have interest, we're not going to talk about it. But this isn't just a tampering safe harbor. If you're not interested, you can say, I'm not interested. We're not interested. We're not going there. Uh, look, the Dolphins are the team that has emerged as the focal point right. of the possibility of a trade. And, and I'll peel back the curtain a little bit. I can't name my sources, but... I had somebody that I've known for a long time and that I trust who has a very high position with a team in the NFL who said to me Saturday, keep an eye on Deshaun Watson. Something is going on. Sure. And then somebody with another team who is very high up, who I've known for a long time, and I obviously can't name names, said, hey, this is going to happen. It's going to be the Panthers or the Dolphins, but it's going to happen. It's like, holy crap. Now, I didn't couch it that way. All I said is chatter is building in league circles that a trade is going to happen, and the Dolphins and the Panthers are the, are the two candidates to watch. Um, and look, here's what it comes down to. The Texans have to decide what to do with this guy. They're not going to make him play if he doesn't want to play. They're not going to force him onto the field. So, well, you have to ask yourself if you're the Texans, Chris. Do we pay him? $10.54 million this year to not play and trade him after the season, or do we trade him now for whatever we can get? We'd like to get three ones and two twos. Okay, that's fine. I'd like a lot of things I'm not going to get. That's right. And you got a better chance of getting it after the season after you've paid him $10.5 million. That's right. But if, but if you want to avoid paying him $10.5 million, and if there are elements in your organization that just want this guy out of here because of the allegations pending against him, at some point, you just got to take what you can get. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, yeah. I mean, as we talked about, I think, a few weeks ago, if they want to maximize, then, yeah, you know, wait till after the season. If you want to maximize your value and what you get back, no doubt that's the way to go. Like you said, you lay it out. But – Within that, you're going to have to take your lumps. Every time there's a Deshaun Watson bad news, something like that, it's going to be the Houston Texans logo next to it and all those type of things. Do the Texans want to deal with that? Yeah, do they want to deal with continuing to answer these questions? And like you said, just like this dark, rainy cloud kind of hovering over their organization. You know, I'm, I'm with you, Mike. You know this. I was saying back in the late spring, not I, not I was hearing – I know the Dolphins want Deshaun Watson. They want him. I know from multiple people, like who I trust, who are big sources in the league. Right. So that is a real thing. It's been going on all offseason. You know, we, we played brother from another with Michael Smith, you know, uh, in, in one of our commercial breaks there. I mean, that's the story he told is a story you hear around the league that Nick Casario's been very inconsistent with taking calls, really engaging in serious questions, kind of going off the radar at times. And people are like, wait, I thought we were supposed to talk today. What happened? So, I mean, I'm hearing all those stories. You've heard all those stories. I don't know where it goes. It's interesting, nonetheless, that Miami's still, you know, apparently involved in this whole thing, this close to the season, all those things, you know, because you go, wait, you know, he hasn't played preseason, preseason football Wait, are they really going to bring him in there and just let him take over the team? And I would say, yes, they are. 
Because here's the other thing that goes in their advantage. Their offensive coordinator is George Gotze. His best buddy in the world is Billy O'Brien. I mean, they, Deshaun Watson's not going to have to learn a new offense when he goes to Houston. I mean, when he goes to Miami, excuse me. It'll be the same offense he ran in Houston. So that will be seamless transition, and that's another thing just to look for if it does happen. But I'm with you. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know if it does happen because if I'm the Dolphins or one of them, I'm not trading away three first-round picks and two twos right now with the uncertainty of the future of Deshaun Watson, even though I know he's awesome and one of the best players in football. You've got an interesting stew of personalities in Houston that ultimately are going to make this call. And yeah. you mentioned Nick Casario. Look, sometimes good strategy, good negotiation involves being unpredictable, erratic, inconsistent. You're trying to rattle the other side. At the end of the day, Casario wants to get what he wants or as close to it as he possibly can if he knows that a decision has already been made above him in the hierarchy that we're not going to pay Deshaun Watson to not play this year. That's the one thing we don't know. For all the dysfunction that the Texans have emanated over the course of the last year, they have kept extremely close to the vest this fundamental question of whether or not owner Cal McNair, as advised by Jack Easterby, will or won't happily pay Deshaun Watson $10.54 million dollars to not play football this year. And when you look at it from Cal McNair's perspective, he's not a football guy. He didn't buy the team, found the team. He inherited the team. He's running the team. His father passed. We don't know yet the full body of how he's going to behave as an owner, but it's very easy for someone who is in McNair's position to say, why am I paying this guy we just gave this guy a huge contract last year. We gave him a big signing bonus. He doesn't want to be here. We're, we're reluctant to tell him you have to play. Well, I'm not paying this guy to not play. A end of story. Look, hey, Nick, do whatever you have to do. But I'm not paying Deshaun Watson $10.5 million to not play football. Make me look like a schmuck. Yeah. I'm not doing it. We don't know that. If, that. if that mindset exists at the top of the organization, then, yeah, a trade is going to happen because the owner is saying – trade this guy I'm not paying his his salary and the fact that it bubbled up on Saturday means there's talking sure there's negotiating yeah something's happening right. and it was enough on Saturday to make people think that it was going to end in a deal and what happens word gets out everybody backs off it's not midnight yet though midnight comes tomorrow into Wednesday because what they have to do Put him on the 53-man roster, and then you can put him on injured reserve after that where he could be called back from injured reserve if they want to trade him later. And, and then it all comes down to are they willing to cut him game checks, Chris, if he's not playing. And if they're not willing to do that, they will trade him. If they are willing to do it, then they can trade him in March when maybe they could get closer to what they want. Well, I, I, this, I, I want to ask you this. Like with the you – know, you like I don't want to – you know, like you, you reference like – I don't want to look like a schmuck for paying the guy $10 million, right? You know, do you think, though, he has more fear of looking like a schmuck and trading him away and he got to just leave town at his say and now he's playing somewhere else? Does he more worried about looking like a schmuck that way than the way you're talking about? I, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there because that would probably scare me a little bit as an owner too, right? I think the way you avoid it, yeah, and apparently that the two sides can't yet – come to any sort of consensus here the fair way to do it is to tie the draft picks to how many games Deshaun Watson is available to play this year 
that determines the 2022 draft picks. Next year, that determines the draft picks in 2023. And even the year beyond that, this can last for a while. You can go three years out with the draft picks you give up. Now, the Dolphins or any other team may not want to tie up conditional picks because then all those picks are kind of frozen in place. If it's a three that can become a one, your one, your two, your three are locked up. You can't do any business with those picks because you don't know which pick you're ultimately going to have to give to the Texans. But that's the fair way to do it. And, And that's always been the sensible approach here because there is uncertainty from the 22 civil lawsuits, from the 10 criminal complaints that are destined to go to a grand jury. Then there's this vague FBI investigation that's either looking into Watson or looking into one of his accusers. We don't know. But until the criminal cases are resolved... You're accepting a risk that you're not going to have Deshaun Watson. And there's a way the dominoes fall where he gets convicted and he's in prison. Yeah. And you get nothing for your investment. So, look, yeah, and and I think, and and I've heard from enough people that I can't say there's nothing to this. The idea that Nick Casario, all all of the former Belichick lieutenants are always very sensitive to what Bill's going to think about the deals they do, the decisions they make. They're all, it's this weird dynamic where you just what does bill think that casario has been very sensitive to to doing a bad deal and have bill you know kind of i can't believe that that's part of this too so there's a lot of different personalities that are gonna that are gonna drive this decision but there's a deal there to be made if the two sides are willing to find a way to to reach a middle ground yeah right i mean i don't think i think bill's gonna scoff at any deal that involves watson going to the dolphins he's gonna tell him that's not a good deal don't do that that's That's a bad deal you what need are you more thinking? first round picks. <laughs> you know, you know, I like I like the Panthers offer better. Yeah, right, right. All right. Well, let me ask you this one too, because this is just another thing that kind of you know went through my brain over this weekend. You know, we talk about the Texans being able to maximize, right? You know, maybe after the year the most, but at the same time, I, you know, and again, you you you're going to be able to answer this better than me. It, is it risky too? Like. Okay, I mean, yeah, at some point, right, they got to weigh that risk as well to go, wait, we could go to the offseason and things still not be figured out, and we could go into another year where we might be on the hook having to pay this guy and not know what the hell is going to happen. So Excellent point. Right? I would think you got to balance that out in your brain a little bit at, at some point and just can't be too greedy for what you're asking for here, especially like to what you said, you want to get the guy out of here. And you've had enough. So that's where it's an interesting situation. And I'm going to be interested to see how Casario handles this. Here's why that's such a great point. And I'm glad you mentioned it because someone pointed out to me, it's not the 10.5 million this year. It's the 35 million next year. Right. That, that really has people freaked out about the possibility of this continuing and lasting into 22 where, if he's on paid leave or you've put him on ice on injured reserve because you want to wait and see how it goes, that's a risk the Texans are taking, and that's a risk whoever would take him on will be taking. Right. And as someone explained it to me yesterday, the Texans are playing a game of chicken here with the Deshaun Watson contract. And if 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 no one is willing to play ball, they're stuck with his contract for this year. And then come March, there's no guarantee there's going to be greater clarity. And it may be we're exactly where we are now, yeah, right. and no one's willing to give you three ones and two twos, and you're going to have to pay him $45 million for the privilege of eventually trading him. And, and money becomes draft picks. Remember, the Texans were the team, the first team to do it, where you, you basically 
What, you give team. up a second-round pick to yeah. offload $16 million. You yeah. gave up a second-round pick to avoid paying someone $16 million. Well, that's part of this transaction. You're avoiding paying Deshaun Watson $10 million, maybe $45 million. That's part of the value that the Dolphins are taking on. That's why three ones and two twos is never going to fly I wouldn't think with so. this uncertainty lingering. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. So you know, Casario's got to find the sweet spot of, you know, where is it that, okay. I mean, again, I don't know. If I'm the Dolphins or one of those teams and they just go, wait, two twos and two ones, uh, we might be talking business. Three ones is a different story. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot to give up. It really is for uncertainty. I mean, when you get to that, like two twos and some uncertainty, you know, yeah, I perk up in my seat and start to go, damn, okay, hold on, let me think about this a little bit. And I just, I wonder where that fine line is for both teams to where they can go, wait, we won on both, you know, and feel good about it for, for both clubs. Here's my proposal to the Dolphins, the Texans, or anyone else out there that wants to try to get Houston's attention. For 2022, if he's available to play in eight games or fewer, you get a third-round pick. If he's available to play between 9 and 13 games, you get a second-round pick. If he's available to play for 13 or more games, you get a first-round pick. Same formula next year, same formula the year after. Availability to play, not injured, but available to play. As far as the league is concerned, that drives the pick. Because at some point, when the dust settles on the prosecution, the civil cases, he's going to be suspended for the behaviors that resulted in this. If you look at the Ben Roethlisberger precedent, That's right. and I think Watson's camp is bracing for six to eight games. Right. At some point, he's going to be wiped out for a period of time. That takes all that into account. Plays out over three years. And I think that's the fairest outcome, and it's the simplest outcome for everyone involved. Problem is, you got if you're the team that's trading for him, you're setting aside your top three draft picks for the next three seasons. You can't do business with any of them by way of trade because you got to see how the Watson stuff plays out. But if you want him, I think it's the fair way to work it out. We'll see if they can work something out between now, tomorrow, or the day after that when they'd have to put Watson on injured reserve to have 53 guys on the roster instead of 52 plus a guy who isn't playing let's take a break when we return Deshaun Watson wasn't traded on Saturday another guy was a guy who almost won a starting job in Jacksonville got (laughs) traded when he didn't we'll talk about that next here on PFT Live Well, I'll tell you this, man. In preparation for the competition, I haven't, I haven't taken weeks. It's not really an option for me. Number two is not an option. I, 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 like, I feel like anybody, anybody that comes in and thinks that's an option, that's what they're going to get. You know what I'm saying? Well, uh, Gardner, uh, it didn't work in Jacksonville. He's definitely number two there. And so now, leave yourself now. Well, now he's number three. I don't know what that means. We'll have to wait for his next podcast appearance with Chris Long. (laughs) But um, trade gets done. And and look, this just underscores how ridiculous the quarterback competition was. My first thought was they're propping up Gardner Minshew in an effort to trade him. As it lingered, Chris, you and I kicked around the idea that maybe they're actually considering going with Gardner Minshew to protect Trevor Lawrence from a Joe Burrow type of an outcome because he's got no help around him. Once... Urban Meyer declared last week that Trevor Lawrence will start. That's when the game was up. And they got a sixth-round pick for Gardner Minshew that can become a fifth-round pick based upon playing time. But, yeah, they were trying to get more. And they probably were amazed 
that a guy who's got 37 career touchdown passes and 11 interceptions and has played pretty well would only yield a six that can maybe become a five. And, uh, you know, they finally got to the point where they had to do something. And the Eagles, it's kind of surprising the Eagles did it because right. they're already too deep. Right. They want to be three deep because 17-game season and we've got the COVID uncertainty. you got to have enough good quarterbacks around to get yourself through the season. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that makes sense, of course. You know, we've heard Howie Roseman before talk about how much he values backup third quarterback on the team. I mean, he seems like it, it's higher than most teams. You know, I think the other aspect, too, you got Jalen Hurts. He's a running quarterback. You never know what happens there. Joe Flacco is almost an artifact now in the NFL as far as what quarterbacks are concerned. Only Tom Brady's the other, only other older artifact, at least playing like a position that way. So, like, you know, I look at it that. So there's a little insurance there. And Flacco's on a one-year deal, right? And I believe Gardner Minshew has two more years left on his deal to where you go, okay, now if yes. Flacco retires after this year, we at least got Gardner Minshew here to be backup, holdover, starter, if we draft a quarterback, whatever it may be. So I think from those angles, it does make sense uh, for, for Philadelphia. At, at the risk of, of defending Joe Flacco, uh, he, he, he did come into the league three years after Aaron Rodgers. He came into the league the same year as Matt Ryan. So it's not like he's Damn, ancient, he seems broken old down. <laughs> yeah. well, 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 you know, and, and Joe Flacco, we've talked about this before. He is the rare franchise quarterback who – when the window closes on starting opportunities, doesn't say, see you later. Right. He's continuing to hang around. He loves the game. He's willing to be a backup. Tom Brady would never be a backup. Peyton Manning would never be a backup. Aaron Rodgers would never be a backup. But Flacco, who was, on two different occasions, the highest paid quarterback in the NFL over the past decade, he's willing to do the Randall Cunningham thing where, hey, you know what? Being a backup pays a hell of a lot better than any other job I'm going to find, so I may as well do it. That's right. Yeah, you're right. I mean, especially if you love it, you love being around it. I mean, yeah, it's it's a great gig to have, no doubt about it. And you can only do it for so long, so you might as well do it as long as you can until they kick you out the door, as we've talked about before. And the one thing you can always say about Joe Flacco, I mean, for me, again, I think he'll be one of the more you know, underrated real good QBs because he was real good. He has no ego. He checked his ego at the door with the Baltimore Ravens. He's one of the rare franchise quarterbacks that was just like, hey, I mean, go ahead. Defense, you guys, it's all about you guys. I'll just, when you need me to make a big throw, I'll make a big throw. And the style of football he played, the culture of that team, very hard to play quarterback there. It's not easy. And, of course, it's not always going to look pretty because it was always about let's run the ball, let's play through the defense and all those type of things. But, man, I saw Joe Flacco in person too many times on the field when I was playing at the end of my career, how he started. What was it, first five years? Did he go to the playoffs, some playoff games? I mean, yes. went up to New England in 2011 and 12. You know, one time they beat New England. He outplayed Brady both times then. I mean, 2014, he went up there again and the old crazy formation game. Would argue he outplayed Brady in that game as well. I mean, he's got a clutch factor about him, and I respect his no ego and just doing it for the love of the game at this point of his career. I really do respect it. We were at that 2014 playoff game. The Ravens were up 14 points on two different occasions in that game yeah. before the, the crazy formation that that in a roundabout way spawned Deflategate, but that's a different story altogether. But you're right about Flacco. And look, Chris, 
teams wouldn't offer him contracts to be a backup quarterback if he did have an attitude, if he wasn't willing to humble himself and accept his spot on the team. Uh, The problem, though, is now if you're the Eagles, if you're Jalen Hurts, if you're a Philly fan, you know, does does this make it a little more tenuous for Hurts? Not that they have to worry about Flacco jumping Hurts, but you got Minshew, who is not going to come in there and say, yeah, I, I, I'm happy with my spot as number three on the depth chart. He's going to want to show that maybe he deserves to play. And if Hurts struggles at all in the regular season, you know, maybe maybe Minshew is the guy that the fans start clamoring for, not Flacco. Yeah, I mean, it could be. I mean, he's that type of personality where fans are going to they're going to like Gardner Minshew just with, because of his answers. They're on social media, the way he looks. I mean, he's just got a great, carefree, charismatic you know, attitudes toward, toward, you know, towards the game. That's kind of infectious. You just go, man, the guy loves football. This is cool. He seems cool. I like it. So yeah, here he is that type of guy where he's a backup quarterback where you go, man, I don't want to let this guy on the field if I'm the starting quarterback, because if he has a few good plays, the fans are going to rally around this dude. You know, the other thing too, I'll just say because of the Eagles situation, Hey, I, I don't know. I, I, the whole Jalen hurts off preseason was weird to me. I mean, what did he play? Ten plays? I mean, Jalen Hurts has got to play more quarterback. We know that. It was one and three at the end of the year last year. I'm just shocked at how little he played. You know, they didn't really never – what was it? A week ago, Nick Sirianni still wouldn't just say he was the starter. So, I, I, I don't know. I, I, it's just weird mixed signals out of there. We know there's certainly some Deshaun Watson interest in Philadelphia, 100%. We know. I know you know from people. I know from people. So uh, I, I just, yeah, that whole situation is a little odd to me right now. I'm not going to lie, Mike. When they traded for Gardner Minshew the other day, I thought, wait, is this a precursor to where now they might trade away Hertz and maybe Flacco for a Deshaun Watson with picks or something like that? That was really one of the things that kind of percolated through my brain a little bit. Obviously, that didn't happen, but I am a little like stumped about why Jalen Hurts, who we know is a little raw as a pocket passer, I know he got sick in the one game, only played 10 plays the whole preseason. I think the the move means that the Eagles are out. They're out, the Deshaun right? Deshaun Watson okay. sweepstakes. Now, one of the reasons they're out, Texans want too much. I don't know that they get back in, yeah. but I think that move was, okay, forget it. We got to go forward with what we have, and we'll see. If Jalen Hurts can't get it done – Maybe the guy who's number three gets to be number one. We'll see how that plays out. When we return, the preseason is over. We're not done with the preseason yet, though. Week three superlatives coming when PFT Live continues right after this. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? 
Hey, look at you. Florist by day, student by night. Student by day, nurse by night. Since 1998, Penn State World Campus has led the charge in online education, offering access to more than 175 in-demand programs taught by our expert faculty. We offer flexible schedules, scholarships, and tuition plans to help you reach your educational goals online. Penn State World Campus delivers on your time. Click the ad or visit worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more. That's worldcampus.psu.edu to learn more.